And like we're we're live before it says we're live. Yeah, but like the live thing's blinking. Like the the blue spinny circle. See, okay. Now I'm confident that we're live. I was already confident. Are you? It's, I was. It's all right. All right. Well, uh, good evening, everybody. It is Thursday. We uh, had to move our regularly scheduled program to Thursday uh, due to some scheduling conflicts. But here we are, Deuter Cannon's ex- episode 16. I'm Byron, and with me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Byron. Party on, Justin. Is that a copyright thing, you think? I mean, co- copyright might be an extreme way of putting it. It's a tribute. Is it, it, it is. is. A tri- it's a cover. Did I ever tell you about my history with uh, Wayne's World? No. So when I was in high school, I wrestled, right? Which okay. means that, you know, Friday late nights out on a Friday were a wash. Not that I did a lot of that anyways. Cause I was kind mm-hmm. of like sheltered. But anyways, so my friends, my buddy and I were both on the wrestling team. We spent many a Friday night sleeping at each other's house to go to the wrestling meet the next day. Mm-hmm. And that became our thing was watching Wayne's World 1 and 2. And we like had the whole thing memorized. <laughs> Good quality time there. Anyway. That's, that's so, wholesome. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, comparatively. Right. Compared to other things. So, here we are. And, uh, yeah. Um, what are we talking about tonight? So, I, I was actually just telling Justin this before we went live. Uh, typically, what happens with us is we'll text out each other, text each other like a title or like some verses to look at. And uh, I've done none of that this week because we've had a very busy week. So have we. Yeah. Right. And so, for us specifically, uh, this is the last month of school. Um, and so it's always a busy month and we're homeschoolers as are you. And so, uh, my entire week has been devoted to Madeline's mock trial event that, that went, happened today. And I just brought that up cause I wanted Did to say, she successfully mock the trial. Oh, <laughs> did we? <laughs> so our team won. Oh, nice. Both sides. Cause you know, they, they, they plea both sides of the case and, uh, yeah, we did really well. And uh, I just want to—I brought that up also to say thank you to the church. Although they probably don't know this, I was able to take our setup there, uh, expeditionary, expeditionarily, and uh, live stream the whole thing so that because due to COVID, the uh, Allensville Expeditionary Audiovisual Force. That's amazing that, that you just spit that out. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so uh, I was able to use our equipment to go there and live stream the whole event. Um, so that all the grandma, grandmas and grandpas that are either aren't here or are but couldn't go because of COVID were able to tune in. But because of that, I tore this whole thing down, put it back together, was down there for several hours, and uh, I had kind of a topic in mind, but I never got it to you, and I just put it on That's paper okay. like an hour ago. So, But that, it's on paper. It is. It is on paper. I, I will say and that. Nobody would have known that if you would have just rolled with it. Well, I thought I was going to have to uns- go completely unscripted, but I do actually have a script we'll see how close we stay to it but i'll tell you what also i wasn't worried i I wasn't worried either because i've done we've done enough of these now and you and i've just talked enough that i know and we've read the bible before we can blow hot air for an hour (laughs) if we have to (laughs) oh man so that now that you put it that way i can drink a water because i'm gonna do a lot of talking because it's my turn right here we go yep our title for tonight episode 16 is why is wisdom that's air quotes why 
is wisdom. And I'm about to tell you why that is the answer. But first, I would like you to turn, and we'll do this the way we're supposed to. This should be a pretty easy one. Are you ready? Proverbs 1. Oh, come on, Byron. Oh. I think you're going to beat me this time. Yeah, you got me. No, I'm not even there yet. Okay, oh, now I am. Okay, me too. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 1. So, let's start with Proverbs 1. Which, again, from the title, if you hadn't noticed, we're going to talk about wisdom, which I feel like is kind of a generic topic, and we might hit some generic, like, typical wisdomy things. But, man, I feel like these things just need to be reinforced with things that are going on in the world today. So let's start off by reading Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Why don't you do the honors? Yeah. Wait, 1, 1 through 7? Yes, sir. Oh, so the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Man, gold star for Justin. Hey, no, gold star for my mom. <laughs> okay, gold star for you, Mrs. Adams, as well. Yeah, I mean, well because like she, she had us, I mean, like I, I have so many memories of, you know, m like we memorized like the whole Christmas story one year and like recited it at the homeschool Christmas program. And I, I think that maybe some of the moms thought that maybe my mom was like not the all-star homeschool mm -hmm. mom. Right. And we got up there and like recited like, you know, like a few chapters of the Bible. And I think somebody said to her afterwards, like, yeah, we were so surprised. <laughs> Wait, what's, like, what's that supposed to mean? Right. But no, like, like my mom, like read through all of revelation with us and, you know, a whole, whole lot, like hmm. back before I started going to like regular school and middle school. Well, well done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So well done, my mom. So we're going to, we've read that. Now we're going to, kind of hold on to that off to the side for a second and then kind of talk about where we're going. So I have been reading, and I'm, again, I'm going to invoke this name, the, the name of Jordan Peterson again. I've been reading his second book. It's called Beyond Order 12 More Rules for Life. Okay? And so uh, the other night I was laying in bed reading this and came across a pretty good line that really got me thinking, and that's kind of where some of this comes from. So this is for Rule 3, which I don't even remember which one that is. Here we turn back a little bit it says and, and while he's turning that uh jordan peterson um he, he he's a guy who, who's real big on objective reality correct and like w while he he's not you know like a professing believer from from the the reading and the, the watching that i've done it seems like a whole lot of people have been influenced to become believers mm-hmm through through his 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 work yes i mean because like if you really if you really believe th that there is objective reality and objective truth like if you keep following that where that leads is to the feet of jesus because like he he loves truth and right. his, his word is truth and the truth sets you free and so people who are like honestly seeking that i mean it, you know you, if you seek you find well, and, and here's the other thing. Like, even if, if, you know, folks at home know who he is and don't agree with him, uh, 
I mean, shoot, I've read the Communist Manifesto. I've I've quoted the Communist Manifesto from the pulpit, and I don't agree with it, but it has provoked thought. And so, yeah. at the very least, that's all I'm using this for, you know? Sure. So yeah. in Rule 3, it's called Do Not Hide Unwanted Things in the Fog, and this is towards the end of the chapter. I'm not going to try and give you context. I'm just going to give you this quote because this is why why we're talking about what we're talking about. It says, We use our past effectively when it helps us repeat desirable and avoid repeating undesirable experiences. We want to know what happened, but more importantly, we want to know why. Why is wisdom. Why enables us to avoid making the same mistake again and again, and if we are fortunate, helps us repeat our successes. So, you know, that's one of those things where you're laying there in bed, and, uh, you know, I think I was even, like, starting to fall asleep, and my eyes are falling the page, and I come to that, and it's like, you perk back up. It's like, why is wisdom? Why? So it's so it's saying that that the question why is a wise thing to ask. Correct. And yeah. so you know where my brain started going with that. It's like because the first time you're why is wisdom. It's like wait what? What, what? Am I reading that right? And it's like okay, it's in italics, right? Quotation marks. Mine's in it's in oh, italics. Oh it, it, okay, sorry. I couldn't italicize the the title over there, but or maybe yeah, I, the, yeah, they're awfully limited in their typography. Yeah. Or maybe I could, but I didn't try that hard, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> but it says, so why is wisdom? So I started thinking about that. And what I started thinking of is, like, uh, we call them the five W's in the military. I'm sure everybody does, right? Who, uh, who, what, when, where, why, right? And then there's an H. Right. How? But we're just talking about the W's. Okay. I also like to talk about the H. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if we get there. I, I got, call it 5WH. I, uh, I got two pages here. Okay, sorry. We'll see if there's room for H in there. Anywho... Why is wisdom? So I was thinking about the the other four W's. And so as I was thinking about that, and I, I guess my, my mind kind of went to this idea of why and why why is why wisdom. And and so when you think about when you when you're asking why, it's because you're looking for a reason, right? And so for some reason again I went to academia, it's like, okay, why, reason, reasoning, oh, okay. And so then I was thinking about the other four W's and it's like, okay, well what areas of academia would that be? And it's kind of like, I guess that's more like history and geography. And and when it comes down to it, those are kind of like, those are important, but they're almost also just easy. It's just knowing things. But understanding the why of something really is, I think, like the difficult part of it. I guess you could say reasoning and logic, right? And I'm, I'm just trying to share my, what my, my thought pattern was. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I guess, so first question. So compare and contrast Proverbs 1 and Jordan Peterson. Is Jordan Peterson espousing a contemporary reason or is what he's saying biblical? Because I guess to me it's like as soon as I start thinking about that, I'm kind of going like, okay, wisdom. Well, wisdom's pretty important in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And right away, first place I go is Proverbs. Yeah, so so the key here, I mean, so so lots of people could talk about wisdom, I, even in the, even in the New Testament, um, it talks about like the wisdom of the world, mm-hmm. and it contrasts that with the the, the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have talked recently about the uh, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, which like the righteousness of God and the wisdom of God, like that's, I would say that those those two things, if they aren't the same thing, are are so close that they're like you know, left hand and right hand mm-hmm. type of deal. 
Now, what, what Peterson is not saying in that quote is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right. Um, I do think fools despise wisdom and discipline. Like, uh, he, he definitely deals with that mm-hmm. a whole lot. And you wouldn't get this... Well, okay, I, I've read part of his first book and, and haven't touched the second one yet and, and don't have it. Um, but if you watch some of his videos, it seems like he, he may very well fear the Lord <clears throat> because of the way that he talks about God. He's like, you know, how, how can we... Like, how can, how can you dare say that you believe in God? Because that that's such a... Um, and, and then, like, hmm, how, how does he... And not, he, and not appropriate man, appropriately right. manifest it in your life. Yeah, he, right. he loves the word. He loves the word manifest. So he also likes saying so mm-hmm. quite a bit, very mm-hmm. Canadianly. Yeah. So yeah, to say that you believe in God, like that—that's a really like significant thing, and one that like how dare anybody say that flippantly or without like recognizing, like, the absolutely life-altering implications that it has and so he says like when somebody tries to peg pin him down and say you know do you believe in god he says i try to act as if there is a god right so so it it does sound like in in the various things that i've heard him say about the lord that he does have some some fear of the lord he he even said recently in in another interview actually with a christian that he thinks that there is a God and he doesn't know what to, and not just, not just that there's a God, but that Jesus really is who Jesus says he is. And it's kind of terrifying because he doesn't know what to do about it. Well, okay. So here's what I'm kind of wondering though, because okay. we read it and I could reread this if you want, but he kind of is tying wisdom to our experiences and how we parse those out and apply them to, to either again, repeat successes or avoid or avoid repeated failures. And so, Whereas, um, and so I guess, does that nest with, or does it somehow contrast to the idea of wisdom coming from, and, and I guess this is a later question I had, because when we talk about that, that, that pat verse there, seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Like the mm-hmm. first time I read that, that's one of those, one, when we think about Psalm one, meditating on his law day, day yeah. and night, like that's when I have to sit there and just, I say it over and over again. And I'm still not sure I understand it. So yeah. my question is knowledge, wisdom, like what is the, the balance or relation between those things? Okay. Yeah. Um, man, like I, I would really like to, uh, kind of dig into the, to the words themselves, but I'm, I'm not like prepared this, this instant to do it. Right. Uh, in, in, in very much depth, but knowledge and when we're talking Hebrew, um, knowledge, the, the, the word for know is uh, yada. Mm-hmm. You know how th- there's the Yiddish expression, yada, yada, yada? Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, you know, you know. Right. And um, it's, it's, not, it's not simply a um, like kind of an academic awareness. Right. Knowledge to the, to the Hebrew mind would have been participation. Right, like physical participation, and and that's why, for example, it says in in the old translations, and Adam knew his wife. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, he wasn't simply like psychologically aware or of the fact that like she existed. Right, like he physically participated it, with her mm-hmm. in in the conjugal sense. Right, 
and um, or you have like be still and know that I'm God uh, in in the Psalms. And so that's not that's not to say like hey, just be aware that there's a creator. Right. It's like no, like participate with what he says is good and don't participate physically in what he says is is bad. So you have you have knowledge. So um understanding by means of doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have wisdom, which I would say is like the skill of doing it well. Mm-hmm. And recognizing the patterns of what is good and recognizing the patterns of of what is what is bad and the, and the, the yeah the, the patterns of those things but also the uh um yeah like the reasons mm-hmm. like yeah w- wisdom seeks for yeah like an understanding of why x is good and y is bad right and so i think that that's why jesus is so impressive um for one because you know he he says things like you know you have heard it said this and that and the other and so like yes those things are true but then he w- when he says like you know don't even look at a woman lustfully like mm-hmm. you've heard it said don't commit adultery but I, like i tell you don't look at a woman lustfully like he's he has wisdom about the underlying reason as to why one should avoid that physical act right so yeah knowledge is a participatory thing and wisdom is is understanding why something is good and why something is bad. So, and I want to circle back to some of these other words that are in there because I think I think they're just worth discussing. Okay, uh, you know, understanding, insight, prudence, discretion. But I'm going to jump ahead, kind of going going off what what you're saying there, and I guess share some of my thoughts. And 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 uh, I was talking with the kids downstairs this last Sunday about exegesis and eisegesis Ooh. and hermeneutics, right? And so, good old Herman. I'm wondering if I might not be eisegeting here, but I, I want to share something with you. Get your thoughts, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm in the army. If you hadn't heard, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comes, your Under Armour shirt has stars. Yeah, here around com- the uh, the UA. Here comes some uh, army analogies. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to see what that comment is there. Audio is great. Okay, good. So, uh, so I'm an enlisted guy. I'm a non-commissioned officer, right? And so you'll have po- folks occasionally ask, "What's the difference between an NCO, non-commissioned officer, and a commissioned officer?" <clears throat> and so I think an analogy you can obviously relate to is I had a, a, a first sergeant one time explain that he he tells people because he was also a teacher. This was when I was in the reserves. He says, "NCOs are like teachers, and officers are like principals," and so. We both kind of interact with the kids, but the teachers are the ones that are dealing with them kind of daily and know the children. In the trenches. Right. (laughs) Yes. Right. They're the heroes. So they know. (laughs) Oh, man. They know. Don't go there. But they have the, again, one-on-one interaction with the children and uh, are really more invested. You know, I guess they they know the students. They're uh, responsible for their development, whereas the the principal is more, you know, they're the... uh, uh, that administrator might see the kids in the hallway, doesn't inter- interact with them a whole bu- whole bunch. Probably knows one or two of them pretty well, right? Yeah. And so, uh, 
I just say that to say this. And so when I think about the officer NCO relationship and some of the things that we're dealing with in the military right now, I get kind of frustrated because I think it is a, um, it's becoming a, there's tension between the utility of knowledge and wisdom as, as I guess I understand it, maybe contemporarily. Okay. And so, so again, if you don't know, one of the difference, difference between an NCO and an officer is, uh, all officers will, uh, at some point, some of them don't come into the, the, you know, they might get it, uh, through OCS or through something else, but generally speaking, officers are college educated, right? Yeah. So they're all going to have at least a four year degree and they will go on and earn a master's throughout. Like it's almost, it's basically a requirement at this point to progress to any higher levels of command. Right. So they are the college educated types and, uh, and they are given command, um, I won't say by virtue of that, but they weren't. They aren't going to be given command and authority. So, like, when did that start? Without that, um, I mean, I think it goes back to when it was more of a class-based society. Like, these are the gentlemen, right? Okay. These are the the educated folks. But the, so th- that's the thing is, we have actually have a pretty blue-collar officer corps nowadays, though, right? Because it's not that hard to get a college education. No. Consequently, it's also not that hard for enlisted folks to get a college education, right? And so what you'll hear now is there's a lot of emphasis for NCOs to get their degree. And it's still just a nice to have for promotion, but it's very quickly becoming a must have. And there's a lot of talk about uh, promoting enlisted guys, um, basically doing away with time and grade and time and service requirements for promotion and uh, uh, promoting them solely on uh, perceived capabilities and then also education, right? And so that sounds good, but I just can't get over. I, again, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I'm just not convinced that there aren't some things that you're just going to know by being around a little bit longer, right? Yeah. And certainly, we've all worked for folks who the only reason you're working for them is because they've been around a little bit longer than you, but they may not necessarily be qualified. So I understand that argument, but quickly advancing a young up-and-comer just because they have an education. Uh, because they have knowledge, I'm going to say, I feel like we're, we're doing that at the expense of wisdom. And so I find myself a lot of times telling folks, it's like, you know, we have a segment of the military population that uh, do a short time with the troops, with the students, if you will, and then move on. And their role is pretty much only administrative. They're called officers. So why are we, yeah. you, you know, why are we going down this road? Right. And so, um, I think I know why. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> why, why, why do you think? Well, uh, it seems like if things just don't add up, it's like, well, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? That's because, well, it, so if I think that about something like an education, <clears throat> which happens frequently, mm-hmm. the problem is that I've got a goal in mind that's different than the goal that somebody else has. Mm-hmm. And so the people making the decisions have a particular goal in mind, whether that's actually specifically stated or not. Right. And uh, it adds up. All right. Yeah. But there's cognitive dissonance when the goal that you have a traditional goal, like, Hey, maybe the kids ought to be proficient in like reading, writing and arithmetic. Right. And, uh, somebody else's goal, like they're not, they're not the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, no, they, we're churning out what we're supposed to be churning out. Right. It's just frustrating to the people who are um, still convinced that 
traditional goals are the goals. Right. Yeah. Well, and so I, um, so what I'm hearing is maybe you perhaps see the same ideas of knowledge and wisdom as least, at least as, as how I'm defining them in contention with one, one another in what, in what you do. Oh yeah. 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 In fact, there's a, there's one state and like, I don't know all, all the details of this exactly. So I don't want to call out the state <clears throat> by name, but th there is a state that, that I've read about that's not too far away from where we are that is actually getting rid of content requirements for content area teachers. So in other words, like you don't have to have a certain number of hours in English to be an English teacher anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a certain number of hours in math anymore to be a math teacher <laughs> because that's, well, whatever. How much, how much experience do you have to have in any subject matter to be a principal? Like, is that a thing? Like, are there people that are going straight from college to being a principal without having ever taught? Um, no, no, you have to have some, but, but, you know, there are people who really have, are kind of on the administrative track, track, and they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to, you know, they're with the kids right. as few years as possible. Uh, it's and, fun. Then, and then they make the jump and, and some people make the jump without, you know, that kind of being the goal. Yeah. And like, like I know some really good people who really weren't in the classroom very long, but they're, they're really good administrators that they just had. Right. I mean, honestly, like the, the skill set necessary yeah. to, uh, to, to manage people yeah. and, and then, and, and they go for it and I don't really know why they do it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, but, but the people that I'm talking about here, like are, are, are good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, which again, like I understand there's a balance cause we have guys that like battlefield commissions, for example. Well, right. You know, and we have guys that it's just like, look, man, you're doing the force of disservice by staying a dude on the team, right? Like, we need you to be a mm -hmm. leader, right? Uh, and you have some guys that are content to be just be a guy on the team forever. And then that's fine. That they're, they're well suited for that. But then you have some folks that they're looking to do the bare minimum at each uh, rung on the ladder to get to the top as fast as they can to for, for careerism alone, right? Yeah. And again... My issue with that whole thing is I always say, because what they'll tell you is the reason you need a college education is because you you need to have an education level uh, equal to that of your officer counterpart at every level of command. And it's like, okay, well, I thought what I brought to this relationship was experience and wisdom yeah. because you've done some time at these different levels, but a lot of what you know is what you've learned, and I'm not trying to discredit the you importance. You mean just like uh, academically? Right. Like, like the theory it, but rather like, than... But like we said before, if we can learn something by reading a book what, rather than having to experience it the hard way ourselves, like, I understand the value of that, right? However, uh, I mean, I've had had officers before where I, I've had situations where it's been on the one hand, it's like, look, I know this is what we're taught, but it doesn't actually work. And honestly, I can't recall a good... Uh, example of that now, but I've also had to tell them like, look, your instinct is probably to do this because this is what you've been taught. Don't let these guys tell you here that that's not how things are done here because it is. You're you're doing the right thing. Just do what you know, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but it's like, and that's that's my role though is to help these young guys because usually these officers are younger than the, their NCO counterpart. We're the ones to be like. Like we're we're here to develop them. We're here to mentor them. Like certainly we we work for them, but we're here to set them set them up for success, right? 
So anyways, I guess we're talking about the army and teaching too much. When I look at this, I, I wonder if that's kind of part of what we're talking about here. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And when we go back up, this idea of knowledge and discretion to the young, right? Giving prudence to those who are simple. I mean, like, and, and we think about, I guess, what I just said there, this idea of, uh, I guess, wisdom equaling older person who's had the opportunity to apply knowledge over time, right? Versus young person who might have the knowledge, but uh, I mean, I can't, I can't remember how you just worded it, but it's, it's again, and been able to master it and know the application of it because, like I said, in some instances, just being around longer is going to make you, I'll say, smarter than somebody who hasn't with the same same knowledge set. Yeah, so so there there are um man. So so there there are there are ways. I mean maybe there are, are there guys who who you know of who really just like the job that they have and they don't want to Yes. You know, th they they're not looking to climb Correct. Yeah, climb the ladder. For sure. And so I would think that people like that, you know, you might say that they're not very ambitious, but you also might call them very competent. Yeah. Also and um, I, I would think that you need people like that. Yeah, for sure. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we agree then? I think we agree. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess when we go back to the, the Peterson thing, I I guess when I, I hear his application of experience, you know, I don't think that's unbiblical. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I, I do think it's it's biblical, um, but I I think that there there's more. There there's there's more there. Yeah, I I guess I I think about his stuff a whole lot, including the, the quote that you've mentioned, uh, and a lot of the same way that I I think about logic. Mm -hmm. I think that logic is enormously important. Yeah, <clears throat> we ought to be teaching it in schools. <clears throat> well, and uh, you know, and when I was doing my initial pondering of like the why logic and reason yeah like these are hard things which yeah. is probably why we don't teach them and you know again for those of you at home that don't know i know we've talked about it before we both classically educate our children yep and logic and reasons are things that are taught and the thing about them is these are not things that you can put on a multiple choice test and and test people on like it, it involves you know syllogisms and essay writing and things like that to really make sure that a kid and actually knowing something Right. Like, but before you even do any of that. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's not something that's necessarily easy to teach to the masses, I would assume, right? I, I mean, I, th I think that it that it could be, but it would require trying. Oh, well, yeah, like 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 <laughs> like it requires like a level of competence mm -hmm. that 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 a lot of people, I think, wouldn't be wouldn't be terribly interested in because they they are encumbered by 120 years of false assumptions about what education is and why it's important yeah <clears throat> but so so back to back to logic like logic is really really important but i think that the reason that the that logic is most important is because um if when you study logic i think like you eventually get to things that are not governed by logic mm -hmm. like i think that you have to and i think it's also why in the scriptures you have the law laid down in by Moses and then you then you get Christ who actually sets us free from the law so wait so I want to make sure I understand yeah. so, so you're saying like because logically at some point you're going to end at a point where 
this thing is true because it is. Well, okay, so so there there's that on the one hand, which that that would be kind of like underneath, like beneath logic, like you have assumptions mm-hmm. kind of undergirding the entire like logical <clears throat> structure. But then like like logic is has a particular like range and domain. Mm-hmm. You know, like it governs this here, but it doesn't govern this over here. Right. For example, and, and I think that the scriptures bear this out. Um like when it says, come, let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a logical. Right. Like, I don't think that that's like a, like a, a clear syllogism. Like, I don't, I don't see how like a leads to B. Mm-hmm. like it is because God says so. Right. I also think that like the creation is, is sort of, it, it's not that it's a logical. It's not that it's without logic. It's like, it's like it's beyond mm-hmm. it's beyond logic right like <clears throat> um yeah so some you might think that that which is um ill th- th- that anything that isn't logical is illogical but no <clears throat> no because there are things that simply surpass it just like you know god the father is not human mm-hmm. but he's not inhuman right or unhuman he's beyond human mm-hmm and so, like, I, I sort of see all these things in, 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 a, in a very similar light. <clears throat> the, the wisdom that Peterson is talking about, yeah, like, that, that's really good, practical, foundational things. And they should not be ignored. Mm-hmm. But that's not the whole picture. Just like logic is enormously important and shouldn't be ignored or contradicted. But there are things that surpass it. The law is really, really important and you shouldn't ignore it. But there is that which surpasses it. Yeah. And and I think that <clears throat> the lesser is a path to the greater. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so man, I almost hesitate to ask this because there's other things I want to get to. But I know it will. We'll see. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How? Like, how does fear, you know, how does how does fear go in and knowledge comes out? Okay, well, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if we want to talk about beginnings, um, you know, we have Genesis 1-1. We have Proverbs 1-7. We have John, like one, one through, mm-hmm. whatever in the beginning, right? And like th- those are those are first principles, right? Th- those are the those are the a priori's, yeah. The the uh, the, the the first things, the the foundational assumptions, right? And so, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That that means that like this is what you build on. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have if you if you have a different faith statement right then you're building on the sand mm-hmm. however if fear of the lord okay so 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 fear of the lord um from what i remember that that word in hebrew has to do with like trembling mm-hmm. whether, whether that trembling be like actually like external mm-hmm. like you're actually like like shaking yeah which can be done i mean N- not fear in the sense of like horror, right? But fear in the sense of like utter abject humility in the face of all surpassing, right? Uh, omni everything. Yeah. So, so it can be like it can manifest itself 
externally through actual trembling or it can like manifest itself internally where you have like a a contrite heart Mm -hmm. because okay the lord in the beginning it was him and and there was nothing and and he 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 made it all by by his word and holds it all together and and in him we live and move and have our our being Mm -hmm. okay so it so that's the faith statement that that's like rock it's a it's a solid thing that everything else can follow from yeah like it's it's ordering your mind and your life properly so i guess when i think of it and i I think this kind of aligns with what you're saying you know you know know, my my thought pattern again is okay so i fear the lord and so my instinct is because i fear him right and i don't want to suffer his wrath then i I, I want to please him. So how do I do yeah, that? Yeah. I obey his commands. Yeah. And in doing so, I show him that I love him. And I think the byproduct of, of my love for him in that obedience is that, uh, you know, I, I gain wisdom because I'm, I'm navigating the world the way he intends for me to perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if we go, if, if we go back to, to knowledge as being, like a very participatory, like a physically participatory mm-hmm. type of word. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So like all of us are going to physically participate in things. In other words, like we're going to make choices that lead to like um, internal actions and external actions. Mm-hmm. And so if we want those to be in line with that which is good, okay, so we start with the fear of the Lord. Yeah, B- because th- there is reward and punishment mm-hmm. involved. Yeah, I mean it's it's of eternal significance. I mean you have eternal life or you have eternal death. Yeah, and but but if if we if we want to like get if we want to like properly work out like just how we are supposed to live in the material world, mm-hmm. okay, like you start with the fear of the Lord, and that's the path to participating yeah. inwardly and outwardly in the things that please him. It's like a negative feedback loop that eventually becomes a positive feedback loop. Right? I I think I know what you mean by that, but go on. <laughs> so, we we start with uh I'm going to behave a certain way so as not to go to hell, I guess. Okay. And then it becomes I don't want to just do this just to not make him upset. I want to. I want to do this because I want to please him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so there's this movie. Um, I think Missy and I have it. It's a French film. I think it's called Paris Je T'aime. I think it means like I love Paris or something. Oui, oui. As as you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's literally all the French that I know. Okay. Um, but it's like a series of uh, like sh- really short films, all all set in Paris. And it's it's really, I guess, mostly of no consequence, and there's some really weird stuff in there, as one would expect from a French film. Mm-hmm. But there's this one where, where there's a guy who he, he's cheating on his wife. Like, he, he doesn't love his wife. He's like, you know, forget you. He has a mistress, and he's, he's going to tell his wife, you know, we're, we're through. I've got this other gal. Mm-hmm. And he he goes in to to tell her, and she's like crying already, or or something, and turn and she tells him that she's just found out she has cancer, like oh. terminal cancer, and he's like, never mind. Yeah, so he he's like, okay, like I d- I don't love her, I really don't like her, but like she's dying of cancer, so like I should probably not 
like make things worse, which actually is a pretty loving thing, mm-hmm. you know, as as much of a horrible person as he is. So he he goes as soon as he can, and he breaks it off with with the mistress, and he starts like taking his wife on dates and like trying to make her final days as wonderful as possible. And the narrator says, of course, in French, and then there are subtitles. By acting like a man in love, he became a man in love. Mm. And so then his wife dies, and as as it ends and kind of goes to the next vignette, you see him, like, he's just, he's devastated when his wife dies, which is, like, the happiest ending in the world. Don't you get a little of that in, like, Fiddler on the Roof also? Because it's an arranged marriage. There's one of the songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. After 26 years... It's nice to know something like that, right? But you had to use your highfalutin French film, huh? Hmm. Well, I mean, it was the first one that came to mind. <laughs> and it's got a great quote. I mean, by acting like a man in love, it's good. he became a man in love. You see, you see, you see him like listlessly wandering the streets of Paris, and he's just devastated, so, and it's so happy. By acting like a man who loves God, you could become a man who loves God? Yeah. Like, you kind of want to be careful with that because, like, you... you, you you don't want to like excuse any hypocrisy, but like if somebody if somebody's excuse were like for, like for not doing the right thing, we're like, well, I just I just don't feel like it yet, and if my heart's in it, like I just don't think I should do it, right? Or like I just don't think I'm ready to forgive yet, mm-hmm. like I just don't feel very forgiving. It's right. like, well, okay, forgive anyway. Yeah, it's like, well, if you don't feel like paying your taxes, but like jolly well do it, and the government will be good with it, right? You know. Well, I mean, I've said that even about like I don't know church attendance, where it's yeah, like, there's a time where you feel like being there and then there's a time while you're there because you've disciplined yourself to come. Right. You know? Right. And it, it, I don't, I don't think that that says that like feelings are unimportant, but I think that it, it kind of reverses the, uh, the expectations in, in a, in a really important way. Yeah. Like you don't wait to feel right. You, you, you don't wait until you feel like doing the right thing to do it. Like you don't put the feeling ahead of the right thing. You put mm-hmm. the right thing first because, right. you know, you put first his kingdom and his righteousness and, you know, the other important things right. will be given to you as well. All these things. Yeah, which in the context it would be like necessities. Mm-hmm. And I don't think our feelings are necessities, but I think that that's not too much of a stretch. Yeah. All right. We're going to go. I don't want to say we're going to take a hard right turn, but we're going to go maybe 45 degrees not off topic. We're still on topic, but I'm going to go weird angle with this, okay? So, continue with wisdom. And, and a lot of this, come, again, started kind of with the book, and then I, I mentioned before we are doing mock trial, right? And so, uh, again, my daughter has participated in a mock trial, and it's been really interesting studying up for this. I, I helped kind of uh, coach the team do some rehearsals towards the end, so I had to read through all this material myself. And, and it was really interesting uh, just getting a better understanding of how our legal system works. And then it's it's also an exercise in debate and public speaking, but um, it's in the context of a court case. And so uh, you can also see where, you know, again, in the classical model, they talk about there's not watertight bulkheads between the subject matter. So on the one hand, we're doing debate, right? We're also doing, we're also using logic and reason because in our legal system, words have meaning. Like they mean very mm-hmm. specific things, yeah. and so in this court case, this kid, this guy is being accused. What it is is the court case. It's a fictional case. It's about a crane failure during an instru- a construction project that happened during inclement weather. Two people were killed. 
Uh, but there's also this added element of a squatter who possibly sabotaged the crane. And so he's being accused of third-degree murder. Wait, so who's being accused? The squatter? Uh, the defendant, the, the, the project manager, is being accused okay. of third-degree murder for proceeding with the lift despite the weather, right? Anyways, <clears throat> third-degree murder, and it's set in Pennsylvania, and so you have to understand what third-degree murder is, uh, which involves malice. So you have to understand what malice is, and then you have to understand the precedents for it in other court cases, mm. right? And so it's all, again, you're... Not only so, not only are you trying to like understand some of the more technical stuff as far as like the failure rating of the the the, the failure rate, or, sorry, the the weight at which this crane fails, and the difference between engineering weight and actual failure rate, and then like so, there's all this like technical stuff and these witness testimonies, but then you also have to understand that this isn't just well, these people are dead and we need to do something about it. It's we're putting this person on trial, potentially taking away their freedom, right? And so the prosecution has to prove that he can, is, is guilty of murder, which means he killed people uh, with malice in his heart beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And so understanding, like, it, it's just been an interesting exercise in understanding, like, how much, I'm going to say, wisdom has gone into making sure we're distributing justice appropriately, and so one of the things we're emphasizing, you know, and, and my daughter did the opening comments for the, the defense. And so part of what I we were trying to convey is that two people have died. People are upset. We understand that. But you, the jury, have to uh, issue this justice in accordance, uh, according to the evidence and in accordance with the law. Right. Mm hmm. And so uh, and so I'm hoping that's one of the takeaways that these kids have from this. So contrast that to kind of some inside baseball for those watching at home. Generally speaking, this thing will end, and then we'll, Justin and I will sit here and talk for a little bit. And he mentioned a, a YouTube video last week, and I, I watched it. It's by a guy named Ami Horowitz, and so he's a YouTube personality. And he went up to Minneapolis and was interviewing some folks um, in the lead-up to the uh, verdict being issued for the, the Derek Chauvin case. And it's, it's, it's really disturbing because in this video, you have people that were basically saying that if, if, if the verdict they were looking for was not found, um, they would be... Uh, you know, rioting and looting and, and burning the city down. And, and there was even a question that was offered and people were, were affirming the idea of street justice. Yeah. And so this way of thinking that's happening in our country is very, it's just very disturbing. And I think at the heart of it is this lack of the Lord's wisdom. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, I guess this might get into the part where I think these are things that we've all heard before, but I think it's it's worth repeating, right? And so there's verses that we tend to migrate to when we talk about justice in the Bible. So I wanted to kind of look at some of those and get your thoughts on them with the, the time we have okay. left. And, you know, I'm also going to just kind of make my point, right? <laughs> so first one is Genesis 9, 6. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know that one? Genesis 9, 6, talking about justice. Mm -hmm. um, something about Noah, mm. right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 9, 6. You got it? It's something about Noah. Whoever sheds... Okay, yeah, you're right. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God... Has God made mankind? Okay, so there's mm. that. So, so this is a uh, part of the Noahic covenant. Mm -hmm. 
go on. Well, so at, um, when Noah and his family exited the ark, the Lord established a covenant with them. Mm-hmm. And so we call it the, the Noahican covenant. And so um, like the rainbow was, was part of that. God, God promised to never destroy the earth again with, with water. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gave us the animals to eat for food. Right. Like, so uh, apparently before the flood, people were either vegetarians or they weren't supposed to be eating meat. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I didn't realize that until, I don't know, I was probably in college. Yeah, I want to say I've heard that before too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, I didn't grow up like knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, even going through like Christian high school and Sunday school and everything that like, I mean, I'm sure it was red, but that it just wasn't something that really like dawned on me that, that that's right. That, that that was the case. Um, and I think it even says, um, that he would put the fear of, of animals and man. The, yeah. The, the fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all fish of the sea. Mm-hmm. They are given into your hands. So, like, the the situation between man and animal was significantly different pre-flood. Right. And I think probably, so why? Well, why is it like that? I think probably because there was a lack of vegetation after the flood. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just to stay alive, like, the Lord had to establish kind of a new situation yeah. for them. So, so that, that, that's, a, that's an aspect of it. But then we get down to, to verse 4. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. So, I mean, you got to let it got to let it bleed out. Mm-hmm. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. <clears throat> so, before... Let me ask you this. Like, yeah. I feel like this is a verse that can be conveniently cherry-picked in sure. certain circumstances, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's also like, it's no small thing when somebody, when, when a life is lost. Because at the heart of, 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 of much of what we believe is this idea that we're created in God's image, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think here, you know, if, if we get down to an intent... I think that this is this is limiting man's sinful inclinations mm-hmm. because it. I mean, it's it is a limited retribution, right? It's like a, a one for one instead of a one for forty. Well, and I mean that's the thing is I, I no surprise I, I'm I am advocating for uh, punishment fitting the crime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like if person A kills person B, um. The, the retribution against person A is not killing his whole family. Mm-hmm. It's killing him. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like it seems like that, that's what it's saying. And then when, when you get into the law of Moses and it, and it does talk about like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that's also a, a limited retribution. Like if I knock out your tooth, you're not allowed to cut off my arm. Right. Like, right. And so those are some of the adverses we're going to visit. Or we're, yeah, we're going to visit sure. if we have time, but at the same time, like, like we're aware of those, right? Right. We're, we, uh, we read through them, and 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 again, from a 21st century lens, lens that some of that stuff seems quite harsh. In fact, if you look at, uh, I had it written down here. Where is it? Oh yeah, like Leviticus 20:10 through 16. There are multiple things that we are perfectly. I mean, I guess it's just it, it's it's um, what's the word I'm looking at here? 
there's there's multiple things in the Bible that where where the the punishment is death that in our in the in the contemporary sense we're perfectly okay with you know um but then we'll 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 conveniently jump to these verses not understanding the the significance of them in that time because like you're saying the idea is this is limiting the human desire for for vengeance right mm -hmm. and so uh at the end of the day like that's that's what this is calling for is here is, is for the punishment to fit the crime right and so I wanted to look at like so that I think the eye for an eye passage that most of us are familiar with is Leviticus 24 17 through 22 if you want to turn over to that and I'm going to turn over to a different one Exodus 21 12 through 14 you want me to go ahead and read it go for it okay if anyone takes the life of a human being he must be put to death Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. <clears throat> fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so he is to be injured. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution, but whoever kills a man must be put to death. You are to have the same law for the alien and the native born. I am the Lord your God. And so again... Some of what I was reading is, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily literally mean that if you knock somebody's tooth out, you needed to give up your tooth because, like, what use is that <laughs> to someone? And, I, you know, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a biblical scholar. Right. But 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 the idea is that it's principle again, the idea of this, the punishment fitting the crime. And so but again, if you if you just read that passage, you just read the one we just read. It it seems like, oh, OK, so anytime somebody dies, somebody else must die. Right. Like, I think that's like maybe the simpletons, the, the, the way a simple person would look at it, somebody who lacks wisdom. But if but if we read a little bit more, particularly of Mosaic law, not that that we necessarily adhere to this, but at the same time, like uh, Jesus, uh has has underwritten mosaic law right like he's on board with that and so um you know i did i went through exodus recently and so over in twenty one twelve, it says anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death however if it is not done intentionally but god lets it happen they are a flee they are to flee to a place i will designate but if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death i'm gonna skip ahead here to another uh, situation because there's several ones in here that are kind of situational there's one about like if your bull gores a man or woman right this one here if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely but there is no serious injury the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows but if it's there is serious injury you're to take life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound bruise for bruise so there again we see this eye for eye concept but we also see in that other passage the idea of their needing to be intent. So it's not just this mm -hmm. cut and dry situation where somebody dies, somebody else needs to die, right? There is this idea of having to understand intent and man, like what's inside this person's heart, right? Which let's let's face it, no legal system on the face of the planet is going to be as perfect as the the, the justice that God can issue, right? But, uh, I mean, again, fast-forwarding to the end here, perhaps. But the idea of returning to a, a world where vengeance and street justice is legitimate, like, that's just... It sorely lacks wisdom. 
I guess if I were to, if I had to sum it up, right? Yeah. So uh, if people think that our <clears throat> uh, traditional criminal justice system and uh, like Constitution Bill of Rights, innocent until proven guilty by a jury of peers, if you think that's bad, wait till you see what replaces it. Right. Well, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, that, that's the other thing too, right? Like, well, actually, here let's do this. Let's turn over to Genesis thirty-four. Genesis thirty-four twenty-five through twenty-nine. So, I want to give you kind of an idea, and I was going to say because because we've seen this before. In fact, there's a reason some of these edicts are in place. Oh, these man, law, yeah. laws are in place <clears throat> because God, the Lord's people, was as guilty of this as any of the other people of the time, right? So this is the story of Dinah and the Shechemites. So Dinah is is one of the daughters of is a daughter of Jacob. And so if you're not familiar with the story, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but a brief summary. Uh, Dinah is raped by, uh, I believe it's the leader of the Shechemite's son. Yeah. And uh, he basically arranges, he makes a deal with Jacob to to, to have an, kind of like a, a truce. Um, but basically he calls for them to all, all the men in the village. Like they can intermarry with his his the women in his tribe if they are all circumcised. Grown men. Grown men, correct. And so all these guys agree to do that. So, which, man, imagine that. Golly. Like, somebody walks in and says, hey, hey, we can uh, intermarry with all these folks. We just have to be circumcised. What's that? <laughs> right? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then agree to it. So all these men have been circumcised, and they're laid up because they've been circumcised. And here's what happens. Verse 25. Three days later... While all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off their wealth and all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. So I think that would probably be some street justice. Right. You know what Jacob thought about it? He was not happy. Yeah. It's, it, years later when they're in Egypt <clears throat> and Jacob is about to die, in Genesis 49 when he's like, well, you might say blessing all of his sons, but like kind of prophesying mm -hmm. over them. <clears throat> He he says about Simeon and Levi, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, they basically were uh, kind of, like, excised, weren't they? In a sense, yeah, and and also calling the sword their swords weapons of violence, yeah, like that, that that's really telling too because that that's that's qualifying our understanding of weapons. Mm -hmm. I mean, because not all weapons. I mean, it it depends on the the hand that it's in, right? You know, is it the hand of a peaceful person trying to defend that which is good, or is it in the hand of a violent person who's lashing out in anger? Yeah. A hugely important distinction. It is. Well, and, and man, I want to get off topic here. Yeah. We're going to wrap this up, but it's like, 
I won't even say it. I won't even say it. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to kind of circumvent what going to Matthew and, and addressing what Jesus when Jesus. So first circumcision, now circumventing. That's right. I'm, but I want to. I'm going to bypass what I was talking about Jesus and his use of eye for an eye and that whole thing because that's a whole another rabbit trail we could head down. I want to go back to Proverbs real quick and then we're going to close out in Ephesians. So <clears throat> go back to Proverbs one. So keeping in mind this idea of street justice and uh, revenge and again some of the rioting and looting. Oh yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Rioting and looting we've seen on both sides uh, in our country. I just want to read through eight, eight through um, eight through nineteen in Proverbs one, and I'll, I'll read. Yeah, it. It says, "Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let us lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush our harmless soul." Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole uh, grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will we will share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. And so, I mean, I guess I just want to um, maybe emphatically denounce this idea of street justice and and destruction uh, should we not should there be perceptions of, of not getting uh, your way, I guess. Um, and I think that that, like that, that lacks, that lacks wisdom. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? <laughs> any, any thoughts? Yeah. On that? Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, my, my class is, well, one of my classes is reading to kill a mockingbird right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's a, that's a big deal there because there, there's a really the, the whole idea of mobs or like bunches of people, is uh i didn't realize it until this time that, I, that i've read it um and I, I know that not not everybody has necessarily read to kill a mockingbird but I, I highly recommend it um but you see throughout that book uh groups of people who get together to do good things as opposed to groups of people who get together to do bad things yeah like you get to see what the two look like and, and what motivates uh those those different groups but w- one of the groups I mean, so so there's a there's a, bl- a black man who's been falsely accused of of rape, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he he's taken out of the county for a while to be kept safe, you know, in a in a like a neighboring county's jail, and so then he's brought back for the trial, and there's there there's a mob of dudes who comes down out of the well, I don't know if it's hills, but out of the country, and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna kidnap this dude and lynch him. Yeah, and the the lawyer, the the hero in the story, Atticus Finch. Like he's there, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean he doesn't have a gun with him or anything. He's just there as a presence, and uh, th- then his kids show up, and that kind of diffuses the whole situation. But yeah, they were after street justice, and of yeah. course, like like this guy didn't do it. There wasn't even any like medical evidence that a rape had even occurred, mm-hmm. like period. So it couldn't go to like legally like shouldn't have been like admitted before the court at all. Right. But anyway, d- just an example of like. 
literary street justice. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to wrap up in Ephesians and uh, Ephesians 3.10. I think this is a pretty good way of tying a bow on it, and I actually wanted to tell you how I I came across that. So we were a little late getting started, so I was walking around out there just, I don't know, pacing. And uh, this was sitting on the table out there, which I know we were joking about it before, but on here, you know, we're talking about wisdom. It says, one of the ones on here is, God's wisdom made known to all, Ephesians 3.10. I'm like, that's interesting. Wisdom. I'm talking about wisdom. Let's yeah. see what that says. There you go. And so uh, we'll back up a little bit and back up to seven and we'll read through, uh, I guess, 13, if you want to read that. Sure. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. <clears throat> And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him in faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I mean, that's that's great, you know? Yeah. But I guess it's, you know, when I read that, it's, I guess my takeaway, and, and you know, tell me if this is off base, is it's like, if we... <clears throat> If if there is if there is calls for us to discard wisdom and rather be simple and foolish, and we're seeing here that the wisdom of God is being made known through the church, then we as the church cannot stand by and let that happen. Mm-hmm. And so also there it says that uh to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, there's a note over here on in my my study Bible here in verse one. Chapter 1, verse 3, because Paul uses that again, and it says that heavenly realms occurs five times in Ephesians, emphasizing Paul's perception that in the exaltation of Christ, his resurrection and enthronement of God's right hand, and in the Christian union with the exalted Christ, ultimate ultimate issues are involved, issues that pertain to the divine realm, and uh, and that in the final analysis are worked out in and from that realm. And so... Again, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, a world that is espousing a lack of wisdom, like that is a divine matter, and, and and we can't sit by and let that happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we keep saying the truth and trying to teach it to our families and live according to it, regardless of what happens. Like, um more and more I'm, I'm seeing reports of uh christians sometimes preachers just and other times just normal christians coming under persecution in western nations mm-hmm. and I, I i guess we can expect to see more of that because i don't get the sense that the world is going to suddenly become more interested in things that god says and um the, the the time may be coming very shortly that 
um, to say the things that, that God says, which are wise by virtue of the fact that he, he has said them, you know, could, could really bring us um, worse consequences than what we're accustomed to mm-hmm. uh, in, our, in our society. So it, it's going to take it's going to take wisdom. Well, let me say one more thing about wisdom. In Proverbs, it says, um, "Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes." Mm-hmm. And then another place, it says, "Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes." Mm. So, it, like, they seem contradictory mm-hmm. because on the one hand, it says, "Yeah, answer a fool according to his folly," because you got to correct his folly. Yeah. And then the other the other one basically says, like, okay. If you answer a fool according to his folly, he's just going to like keep on being foolish because he'll be validated. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, okay, if it says this and it says this, it's not actually contradictory. It takes wisdom to know how to how to deal with fools. Yeah. Okay, that's all I've got. Um, I guess before we pray, I will just mention and made this. <laughs> I've said said this a couple times, but we've actually gained some traction. So. Uh, if you are interested in listening to this, not on Facebook, we're still working on getting up on the different podcast platforms. I got submissions into several of them, but we are up via Amazon already. Um, I believe you can search it through audible or you can go just to yep. Amazon proper and yep, both, both. Okay. Yeah. And find it. It costs you nothing and you can listen it on the, uh, audible app. So if you're interested in just, uh, again, the audio, it'll be, it's currently available through audible and then should be coming to, uh, Apple out. Apple Podcast, uh, Google Play, and Pandora shortly. There's that. You want to close this in prayer? Yeah. Lord, thank you for just another time to, to get together and talk about your word and talk about truth. And I, I pray that you would help us to know you better and and know the truth better and that through knowing uh, you and uh, your truth that we'd, we would be set free, um, that we'd be set free from uh, wrong ways of thinking, set free of... Um, bad habits of thinking and and living um, set free from from fashionable lies. So Lord, help us to to not conform to the pattern of this world, but transform us by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.